0: This week on Excelsior Journeys, it is episode 90, and our guest is writer, director, actor, playwright, screenwriter, curator. It's I, I can't even imagine just the amount of stuff that Bobby Del Rio does, and I really can't imagine when he takes the time to sleep with everything he's got going. We're going to find out a lot about his background, about everything that he Is doing right now. We're going to find out a lot about his new film, The Market, which is available on Amazon Prime and so much more. JLD, do the honors. Hey,
1: this is John Lee Dumas of the award winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to
0: ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. I can't believe it. We've made it to episode 90. So... You won't have to hear me say, I can't believe we've been here for more than 80 episodes because we have hit that 90-episode threshold. Thank you so much for all of your support. I really, really appreciate it. For those of you who have not yet heard the show or if you want to share the show with others, please go to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts so that you can subscribe, choose whichever platform you like, if you are an iPhone user, strongly recommend the Apple Podcast. Remember, rates and reviews always uh, mean the world, as do any sort of clicks on that Buy Me a Coffee link. Now, one of the things that I've been doing lately is I've been basically just naming what I call the four quadrants of my creative life. There is the author in me. There is the podcaster, obviously. There is the aspiring voice actor and the audiobook narrator. Now, I thought I was busy, but there's someone on Clubhouse who has gone the extra mile and then another mile and then another mile. Basically, he has been Steve Rogers saying on your left, going around the Washington Monument in D.C. And that person would be Bobby Del Rio, not content to just focus on himself as a writer, director, playwright, actor. But he's also a very accomplished coach. He is also a curator in so many rooms over in Clubhouse, specifically Italians in Hollywood, men supporting women in film and TV, and the latest one, which is film TV people who get shit done. Now, if that doesn't show you exactly what he is all about, then I don't know what to tell you. I met Bobby during the 529 Club voiceover competition. If you guys remember, I was very fortunate to make it to the semifinals. And a huge shout out to Ellie Rods, a former guest of ours, who made it all the way and won an agent representation. And Bobby was one of the judges there. And he took on that Simon Cowell mantle and ran with it and was, at the same time, while being brutally honest, he was also incredibly helpful. And his critique actually inspired me to kind of switch around my game as much as I could so that way I could really present myself in the best possible way. And then that next round, boom, made it to the semifinals. And thankfully... Bobby has been able to take some time out of his incredibly busy schedule to come in over here. The man has been interviewed so many times. I lost count. I can't even imagine how he's still doing it, but he's here today. And so it's my pleasure to introduce to you this week's guest, Bobby Del Rio. Bobby, how are you?
2: Hey, man, I'm so tired.
0: <laughs> I'm like,
2: and like I have and it's two more interviews. Today. I Like, it's great. It's great. But it's also it's shocking, you know, like. I don't have a publicist or anything. I've worked with publicists in the past, but like literally, I've I've had eighteen interviews booked in the last month. Wow, um, wow, it's a lot. It's and I've been doing two a days this week. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just how it works out. So, and I try to accommodate everyone. It's not always possible, but I I do my best. Also, I have to say, dude, like you're super pro. I was like, man, like. Fuck! You like the neck? Oh, see, so yeah, I already dropped the F one. Uh, um, no worries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I already said you get shit done, so you know. Yeah, don't thanks, worry man. about that. This, Thank this, you. I'm, I'm put, I'm putting the E on this episode. Don't yeah. worry.
2: This, this is me trying to keep it clean, but I just, you know, just comes out. Yeah, no, like you're very professional, man. I was like, man, this sounds like, like a radio show. You definitely have you done? Have you had like a radio show or anything?
0: I've been doing this since 2018. I actually uh, took a. Fi- a pretty long hiatus from November of 2019 until June of 2020. Season two <laughs> premiere of this show was uh, was myself and 13 other authors who are part of this the legacy of this really great pop culture website 411mania.com. That's where I really kind of got going with my writing, and two of our top writers on that site had recently passed away. So oh. we, so we used this yeah. as a Kind of like a celebration of their lives and look back at the, the fun ins and outs and everything of the site, and it served as the springboard to getting back into this and once that happened, never missed a week. I had some I realized like everything had just like fallen back into place, and now I was ready to go ahead and keep going with this.
2: Well, you can tell man, I mean it's funny because it's in a way that's what I would tell people in the voiceover contest, right? Is that yeah. you have to rehearse, you know, you have to put the work in. It, it has to be polished. Yeah. There's a big there's a big difference between it sounding, you know, like passable and it sounding mm-hmm. slick and professional. Yeah. Yeah. And the dif- the difference is hard work.
0: It really is. It it, it really is. And I am I, I'm flattered that, that that you that you think that way of, of the show. I'm really really excited about that. And I am really excited to hear a little bit about your project that you have going right now that's available on Amazon Prime in both the U.S. and the U.K., and that's a feature film called The Market. And you're not only the writer of it, but you're also the director. When the hell do you sleep? (laughs) You're just saying that you're tired and everything. I, I totally get it. But when do you allow some time for yourself? Oh, my
2: God. You sound like my mother. No, dude. I Like, I know. I sleep in, like, I swear to God, these days it's like. Three hour chunks, Oof. and I like Man. I'll see for three hours, and then I was like, I'll literally go on a clubhouse, mm-hmm. and like I just I was just there. I just got modded, and it was like a six hundred person room or something.
0: Oh, is that the uh, Breakfast of Champions one?
2: I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's know. all like, a blur. It's all a blur. No, yeah. Like honestly, <laughs> like I'm either modded or I'm pulled on stage. Yeah, you know, at this point, it's got to be a hundred times a week.
0: Wow, well, um, when when they see you, when they see you walking into a room, you know, like you know, virtually right. but still like walking into a room, you know, why why would you not just like you know just say like, hey, it's Bobby Del Rio. come on up here, yeah, I know that you can much, provide the value.
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll probably I'm probably gonna hit twelve thousand followers, maybe wow. tonight. I'm at eleven thousand eight hundred followers, which is kind of a lot. Damn. Um, Yeah, so it's like I'll go into rooms, and I don't uh, even if I don't know anyone, they'll they either know who I am or they look at my follower count, and then I'm a moderator, and then so I have you know I probably have four or five people pinging me to be on stage in their rooms every hour. Wow,
0: wow! At any time of day, all week. And I thought I thought I was I was, you know, you know, real big for for getting that. Ha- having that happen to me just like once or twice <laughs> you know but uh, look it's it is you are it's not yeah. it's but you know it's just i don't know hey, i hey, people, more, if people I guess. see value people see value then you know like that's then you just got to go with that you know it's like perception is reality you know
2: uh yeah look i don't know what it is man i just it's just a lot <laughs> it's like <laughs> so i don't sleep you know i'm
0: just like all right
1: that's yeah cool
0: so, so tell us a little bit about the market, you know, some, can people, can people get this on, you know, like you said, that it was available on Amazon prime. So is it wrapped up in our prime memberships or do we have to, is there a, a little extra to put in, in order to see it? What's the, what exactly is the market? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Where are you based? I am in St.
2: Louis. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like if you, if you have a membership, you know, and you get prime video, Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can watch the market. It's there. It's just it's just part of the catalog or whatever.
0: Oh, perfect. Okay.
2: Yeah, the market. It's like a gangster movie about Wall Street. It was my best play that I actually produced in 2010 in Toronto. Because nice. oh. I'm from I'm from Toronto. I'm in Canada. Oh, nice. Uh, although I'm now um, working in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, my agent is in Hollywood. There's also a couple managers in Hollywood who want to work with me. So, I'm just trying to build my team. I'm still repped in Toronto as well. But to be honest, it's, it's like, it's the same kind of thing. There's, I'm just, there's a lot of people who are interested in working with me where that, like, I'm like, oh, who do I work with? But, anyways, but the market was my best play in 2010. And then I ended up, I think I made the movie, I want to say 2015, 2016, something like that. Okay, it took years to make it into a movie because it was just hard to figure that out, and then the reason it was so long ago and the, but I'm talking about it now is that it took another maybe five years to get a distribution deal oh okay, yeah, so it's not like it's, my career has just been you know this sort of like rocket to the stars like I've had a lot of success, but, mm-hmm. y- but like
0: it's been but it's been coming after like years and years of yeah. Kicking and scratching yeah. and getting your way up there. I mean, that's that's what this show is all about, really. It's, I hit singles, goes, man.
2: I hit yeah. singles all the time. I don't know if I've had so many home runs. I've you know I've had some some huge things that really popped, but for mm-hmm. the most part, I'm just like a grinder, right? Yeah. It's and like, that's, it, yeah.
0: That's what uh, I mean. That's what Joe Torre always told the Yankees back in the late '90s. It was just like it's not about it's not about ju- you know everyone getting up there and hitting the home run. It's about those small bites, just those. You know, one just one hit after another, just get on base and then something great will happen. And yeah,
2: here we well, are. I'm in Hollywood now, man. I'm doing something right. I have a ton of projects, but it's been a 25 year career of hitting singles. You
0: know, that's that's a lot of singles, though. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, of singles. they, add up. Yeah, they exactly. add up. yeah, exactly. That's a that's a strong batting average right there. So, so with that in mind, let's go back in time a little bit to the oh, sure. first of all, before we do that. Before we do that, tell us a little bit about what the you know like. So you said it was so the market itself. You said it was gangsters on Wall Street.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I got distribution deal at the beginning of the pandemic, right? So I was just anyway, I was just sort of mapping out the journey, mm-hmm. and then I've done I've probably done now. Oh man, I want to say fifty to one hundred interviews about this project. Wow. Um, certainly 50. I and I just mean from the from the beginning of the pandemic to now. Yeah. So I think
0: the, you think the pandemic really helped out in in that way. You, obviously you oh, don't want to yeah. make light of it, but at the same time it's like you got to do whatever you can to make some sort of positive vibe would, out of this. Yeah.
2: Dude, my career's blown up during the pandemic to be honest. I don't think I would have gotten a distribution deal for my movie maybe at all if it wasn't for the pandemic because People needed content. People had seen everything. Yeah. So, my distributor, I may not even have had my distributor's attention, right? Because there's too much happening. Yeah. But, but it was like during that lull where everyone had seen everything on Netflix, people were mm-hmm. like, what the hell? Like, how long is this going to last? And yeah, there's only so many times you can watch Tiger King. So, I mean, that <laughs> number is high, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although Carol Baskin started following me. On on Clubhouse. On Clubhouse? Like, oh, that's great. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. I was like, what is happening right now? Um, <laughs> that's great. But yeah, anyway. So I so I got this distribution deal, but it'd been mm-hmm. like ten years, man. It, like it was like years of trying to get it a deal, and I couldn't. I couldn't. So there's like this lull, and then I guess everyone was just looking for content, and then I got my distribution deal, mm-hmm. and then. I don't know like it's done really well in terms of feedback man like there's so many people who really like it it's an allegory for capitalism partly the pandemic helped me and again it sounds somewhat gauche to say but the pandemic helped me because it collapsed the economy and my movie Mm -hmm. is a a conspiracy theory about how you can collapse an economy
0: oh cool yeah it's like it's like 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 the big short kind of thing
2: Kind of, but it's a little more elevated and nice. it's fiction. It's fictional, but it's based on reality. Okay. My, pre- my premise is that four guys with enough leverage in the marketplace could actually crash the market. Whereas The Big Short, which I also, I love, I love Mike Lewis, but that's really about what actually happened, right? right. Where somebody was betting that it would crash mm-hmm. over time, where mine is like four
0: guys did it on purpose. So I kind of made like a heist film about that. Which is, which is stronger, a stronger take on it too, because the big short was, was very passive. It was just like, you know, they, they know it's going to crash because of this, 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 and this. And it was basically just them sitting back and waiting while with right. this, it's, you know, it's your character is actually making it happen.
2: That's right. I mean, the difference is that mine's fictional, you know, and Michael Lewis, I like he's, I'm one of my favorite nonfiction authors in the world for sure. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah. But yeah, mine's like a movie, right? Like it's more like, oh, imagine if, and then, but I also turn into this sort of like vicious allegory for capitalism where Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity is this sort of like weapon that breeds racism and sexism, homophobia. So that's why I had so much difficulty getting a distribution deal, right? Is that the language is vicious, Mm -hmm. but it's well-researched and accurate. So I've had, I probably have I don't know. Maybe 100, 200 people who work in the finance industry tell me this is exactly how people speak. It's like a yeah. perfect, it's a perfect cross section of um, the culture of that world. Nice,
0: nice. Sounds very good. that world is
2: vicious, man. It's like very, very. very yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So actually, Mam- Mamet was my favorite playwright growing up. Yeah. So I, I refer to this movie uh, sometimes, like Gun- Glen Glen Ross with guns.
0: Nice. That's a good. Yeah. Uh, that's a good alliteration too. Glenn Gary Glenn yeah. Ross with guns. So- <laughs> yeah, I know. I screw it up all the time. I have to like reset. <laughs> Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Which we- you, you yeah. said it this early enough, so obviously you're doing something right. So that's yeah. Great.
2: Exactly. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah. So let's so let's go back a little bit to the lightning bolt moment with everything that you got going. All these different irons that you have in this fire. Sure pretty that's pretty high right now those flames are 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 definitely catching on but Mm -hmm. what was the moment for you back at the very beginning of this what was your lightning bolt moment that made you kind of point in a direction and say that's what i want to do that's the kind of life i want to live that's a person i want to be what was that for you and which of all these different venues that you have going which one was the first one to take
2: I mean, I know the answer to this very precisely, actually, because I, okay, so I was an economics student at the University of Toronto as an undergrad. And I was very unhappy, you know, I was, I was like a math prodigy. So mm-hmm. I was like top of my class in every subject in school my whole life. So I, I went and enrolled in uh, pro- commerce prereqs for, you know, it's like economics and accounting and marketing, these kind of things at U of T. But I was ha- I was unhappy. I was skipping classes, but I would show up 10 minutes early because I was cast as the lead in a couple different projects on, on stage while I was a student. And I remember there was so I was I was cast, I had a lead role in this play at the University of Toronto Drama Festival. And um yeah, there was this, there was this, it was like the Arendelle Drama Club, and they they put on this like this play. And I remember being in the theater, being like, because I thought that I was, you know, pretty good at acting, even though it was a hobby. Mm -hmm. And they were amazing. They were by far the highest quality performances that I'd seen in my life by Mm -hmm. people my age. And on on the spot, I realized I needed to go there. Yeah. And it just so happened that I don't know if I've even told this story before that the lead actress in my play had dated like one of the main stars of that program and he happened to be in the audience and she introduced me mm-hmm. and then he liked me and then he introduced me to Patrick Young who actually ran the entire program.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then on the spot I decided that I needed to be there. I went in, I auditioned, I got into that program and I became you know one of the most successful people Who's ever attended that program? Wow! Still to this day, that was almost that was what almost twenty five years ago. That's great. That's wow. <laughs> yeah. So you
0: really just kind of like just it, so for that part of it, you 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 took off pretty you know pretty well over there. So
2: yeah, I started moving, I started as soon as I made that decision. Within like a year or two, like I was doing American movies. My first movie was I had a small role in a movie with Jeff Daniels on HBO called Cheaters. Okay. And then I did a movie for the USA Network, a TV net movie with Penelope Ann Miller called The American Laternal Story.
0: I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I'm in the movie. I play the lead's brother and I was in like a few scenes and, but I was still a student when that was happening. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, so you knew that as you were, as you were kind of building up your resume, as you were going through all of this, it was just like, I can make a run of this. I can...
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was pretty successful as an undergraduate student in -hmm. the professional world. Like, I was called the rising star of Toronto Theatre by iWeekly, which was um, like a major arts newspaper in Toronto. While I was an undergraduate student, I even had a 30-minute television documentary done about me. Wow. While I was a student, like, so basically, I had a camera. I was like the Kim Kardashian of Toronto playwrights. (laughs) How I refer to it. Yeah, so I had a camera crew following me around while I was in school and then after I graduated, oh, I yeah. it aired on TV across Canada. Like it was pretty insane yeah. what happened to me. Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, but you can actually be proud of what you did that kinda got those cameras on you in the first place. So there is that.
2: Oh yeah. But also <laughs> like there's an element of luck isn't everything, but I don't know. Like for example, I've gotten I'm getting again eighteen interviews in a month. Like mm-hmm. at a certain point, you know like people are interested in what you have to say. And to be honest, people have always been interested in what I have to say since the beginning of my career. So
0: mm-hmm. excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And so has has it been that sort of, that sort of break the, the amount of breaks that you've gotten, was that something that kind of made you always kind of turning back and just saying like, uh, you know, let's make sure that other people get this opportunity.
2: to your question you know i don't even know where that came from i've just i guess oh maybe i'm canadian that's why i don't know i've just always had a sort of like (laughs) strong like social conscience Mm -hmm. um even okay so i did this play called christian values yeah right so i graduated from school i was on the cover of now magazine now magazine was like the biggest arts newspaper in toronto i was on the cover actually was it was pretty screwed up because like Again, I told you I had this television documentary being done about me. So when I did the photo shoot to be on the cover of that newspaper, I actually had a camera crew filming the photo shoot of me, and then they're both talking at the same time. Like it was so weird. I was like, I was like twenty three years old, you know what I mean? But I anyway. But the anyway. So that play was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And what I it was actually this sort of like Brechtian. I don't know how much you know what theater, but yeah, it was like I, I the- theater. So yeah, okay, cool. So I, you know, I, in high school or whatever, I did like a big project on Bertolt <laughs> Brecht, and but I loved he would like break the fourth wall, and it was all about sort of like, you know, like helping the world through art. Mm-hmm. And so I was very inspired by that. So I wrote this play called Christian Values about this salesman named Christian mm-hmm. who values. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, right. Nothing subtle over here. (laughs) No, no, no. People didn't get it though. I was like, really? Really? Um, (laughs) But anyway, but he valued um, money more than like his life. Mm -hmm. So he was actually this this salesman who was very unhappy because he always wanted to be a musician. But I did this cool thing where I had this, I had his like sort of sales pitch, but I had it repeat four times during the course of the play but there was always a different dynamic to it, and so the play ends. Spoiler alert! Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was 20 years ago, but but this guy's like basically what he's going speaking right directly to the audience, mm. telling them what are you going to do, right? Like this is basically the last day. You have to decide: Are you going to give in to your passions or not? And actually, I remember like the director told me there was this. You know, there's people who whose lives changed because of my play and they had always wanted to do a certain thing. And then they watched my play Mm -hmm. and they, and they went for their dreams. Nice. So I don't know, I guess I've kind of always been doing that. And I really film TV people who get shit done, you know, is kind of the whole room is that, you know?
0: Yeah. It almost, it's almost like that, uh, that room on clubhouse, it's almost like it's a means of trying to draw up, some more talent, some more up-and-coming talent, just kind of put the spotlight on them. Look, man,
2: what I say is we are not an industry. We are a community. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to retrain people how to do business to give. And I'm, you know, I say this in lots of different ways. Sometimes I can be quite stern, as as you know. Oh, yeah. But, I've been on the receiving
0: end. So, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but as you say, like, it helps you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, week three for the, for those who we're not there and they're likely a lot of all of you who were not there for the week three auditions, but I was, I was at work and it was kind of like a last minute decision for me to go in. And then it was, okay, what am I going to do? Do I read? Do I do impressions? i was just like going back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, like with two minutes to go, I was like, all right, I'm going to read. And here's William Goldman's book, adventures in the screen trade. Why not? Let's go with this. And get out there, you know, get outside, and here we go, and then just jumped right in, and you know, you you basically just like you know you had it right there. You just said that you know, like it sounded a little rushed and it sounded a little unprepared, and yeah, it it was. And so the next, so the next week, I wrote my own script and decided which characters can I do, and wound up doing nine impressions in forty five seconds. So what you know, like. That semifinals made it to the semifinals. Yep, yep. And that's and the thing. And
2: I, I misunderstood all the time, which is fine because I mm. don't really care what people think of me. But what people need to understand is I've been incredibly successful in my career, mm-hmm. right? So I've hit singles, but I've hit a lot of singles. Yeah, uh, right. I'm like Ichiro, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. like, yeah. I know how to succeed. Because I've succeeded a lot over and over and over again Mm -hmm. through hard work, right? Yeah. So that's one thing I can help people do, right? So anyway, so with my rooms, like if it gets too loose, like it happened yesterday, we ran it for nine hours. Wow. Nine Nine hour room, man. Yeah, dude. It it went nine hours. Like I was so tired. People still
0: kept coming in. You know, so. Oh, yeah. You know, like why stop? You know, just.
2: Yeah, well, they wouldn't leave. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was, it's, I don't know. I just, I think it's what I say is it, it's a blend of compassion and business, but you need both. Mm-hmm. But I really want people to succeed. You know, actually I remember I got kicked out of this like <laughs> actor website in my twenties or something. Cause you know, like acting, as you know, is can be vicious business and it's so oh, easy yeah. to fail, mm-hmm. but there's so many people, it's actually like a lot of acting coaches and resources and what and pisses me off quite frankly, because They're there to cushion the blow when you fail. And I remember the last thing I wrote and that got me kicked out of the website. I was like, you're not here to teach people the skills to succeed. You're just cushioning the blow when they inevitably fail. Mm. And then they kicked me out. And of course, all of those people who were the regulars, none of them have amounted to anything. Mm. None of them have done. and, And now I'm in Hollywood and I'm blowing up as I have my entire career. I want people to succeed. Right, like I and I know what you need to do to get there. Mm -hmm. Right, at least in terms of hard work and drive. Luck is always a factor, but you know it's it's amazing how often I've gotten lucky over a twenty five year career. Yeah, when I work my ass off, right. So I just think that people would rather. I think they'd. I mean, look, I think they'd rather not hear the truth because it's easy to think you're amazing, Mm -hmm. but. I think someone like you can recognize, oh man, like that actually helped me get to the semifinals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because like it it was one of those things where where it was basically just me just saying, you know what, I need to trust myself. I can do these voices. Right. I can do I can bring that out. So why not just go all out and just be who I am? And And see and see what happens, and not try to not try to go the safe route. And And put it this way:
2: I don't give false compliments, right? I think that you're very good at running this podcast. I'm like, I I was like, have you done radio, man? I was like, oh, like because just the way that you prep, the way that you segue, I'm noticing that. Mm -hmm. The way that you research, I'm like, oh, like this
0: guy's a pro. I appreciate that very much. And yeah, any rate and review is always, is always appreciated. Uh, right. It's like what, uh, it's like at my, my full-time job, one of my, one of our clients had uh, some really nice things to say, you know, to me. And I was just like, make sure you tell Jim. So, uh, right. so, so, so with everything you got going on, like all these different things, what was it about club? I, I know what, what attracted me to clubhouse. You know, like it was, it was going to be a slam dunk. I knew I was going to love this place as soon as I saw it, as soon as I experienced it, really. But what was it for you? What was your introduction to this app slash
2: community? Dude, I wish that my clubhouse origin story was more profound. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was just bored. (laughs) I was fully bored. I have a pretty good presence on Facebook, and then my friend Hiromi. You know, like I like people. I just always get a ton of attention in my career, and then Facebook. You know, I've had some sort of legendary posts. Sometimes they go the other way, and it's like, ah, oh, people fight on my posts or whatever, or they fight with me or whatever. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's quite inspirational, or just really just my personality, right? But, but I remember my friend who wrote me on one of these big posts was like, "Oh, you should, you should um, join Club Us. I think you'd be great at it." And I was like, "What the hell is that?" Oh boy! <laughs> and she like posts this like link. And I was like, I don't know, that sounds stupid, but I'm bored. So I just joined. Mm-hmm. And then it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And was yeah. it immediately like upon the first use where you knew that, oh, this is something I completely thought no. or, like I was completely wrong about? Or or is this some, like a slow burn? It's definitely a slow burn. Like,
2: like, I thought it was cool. Like once I was on it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's like a bunch of people talking basically. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, well, I mean that's different, and I hated Facebook at that time because it was so toxic. It was like, yeah. you know, like mid-pandemic or whatever. And I was like, like I was so purposefully positive during the pandemic because, th- like, everybody, at least in my world, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure, as most people's worlds, were so negative and toxic mm-hmm. that Facebook was like, like a horrible experience for me.
0: Mm.
2: Not even just. It's not like I wasn't
0: necessarily being attacked, but just everybody was attacking each other. Yeah, everyone was talking at each other and not to each other.
2: Oh yeah, dude, it was so terrible. I was like, oh my god, like I didn't even want to log on. But I started being so positive. I would like literally write things like, "You're beautiful," mm-hmm. or "Oh my god, I can't get you out of my mind," or "Do you know how right. awesome you are?" or whatever. It's just these sort of like generic positive statements. Mm-hmm. But then people started messaging me, and they were like. You're changing my life. You're getting me through the pandemic. Like, thank you for being positive. Like, every day, every day, every day. That's great. Um, That's great. But it was also, you know, it was good, I guess, in terms of my reaction. But it was bad because it was, like, needed so badly because it was such a negative space, right?
1: hmm
2: Yeah. So, when I went to Clubhouse, what I will say is the first thing I realized is, like, oh, like, people aren't yelling at each other. Yeah. They're talking. But I didn't know and how much... sharing.
0: It- and and, yeah they're opening up and oh i
2: i I, I mean it depends room. on the room, it depends on the room for sure, yeah. but but that's what that's what struck me, right i didn't at that point, I didn't know how beautiful the space could be,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it definitely didn't seem you know as sort of like nihilistic and toxic yeah. as facebook um had been, so I just jumped in, I kind of just played around, but then I just I don't know, I've kind of just. Figured it out a little bit, and twelve thousand followers later here I
0: am you know? it's and it's also hard to be a troll on clubhouse when you can't really hide behind uh you know a keyboard, you know yeah, we just, just throw like, you like, out like, of the room
2: yeah, I throw people out of my room every day, but then everyone does, and but we don't even care like somebody like literally like it's like we'll be talking about racism or misogyny or something some really important subject, and then some fucking random will come up and be like. No oh, jeez, and I was like, "All right." So we—I literally pause the room, uh, and I walk people through how to report and block them because mm-hmm. you can report a recent speaker. We go to the upper right-hand corner, we click the three dots, and so we'll just like report you on mass, yeah, and get you kicked off the platform, dude. Mm-hmm. So okay, for one second you get to be a dick, but okay now we so, know who you
0: are and bye and and not only that but i mean just like look at look at this opportunity that you just passed up because you wanted to be a troll you know just i i i people never are just that.
2: they're screwed up so you know it's so funny so yesterday you know i have my room film tv people get shit done and it's one of mm-hmm. the most popular rooms um for film we get some of the biggest numbers and then mm-hmm. And then somebody wrote, somebody created a room that was like film TV people who really get shit done at the exact same time as us. Mm -hmm. As just a, as just a way to like steal some of the shine from the room. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like 10 people screenshot it and sent it to me. And I was just like, they're like, are you mad? I'm like, I'm not mad. It's just stupid. It's Mm -hmm. like, what are you trying to, but it's like, okay. So now. You lost this opportunity to build relationships. I'm like one of the most connected people in the entire app, right? I'm in all mm-hmm. the biggest rooms now, all the and the business rooms, the film rooms, everything. And so instead of like building a relationship with me because i and I want to build relationships with people, you mm-hmm. want to like basically stick the middle finger to me.
1: And mm-hmm.
2: like, what do you think's gonna take you further in life? you know
1: right, yeah.
2: But this is how people are. You have choices. You have to make the choices that you think are going to be positive. And if you don't, theres it's probably not a shock why you're not successful.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And so during that time, you're getting acquainted with Clubhouse. You're getting yourself familiar with the app. Your follow count is obviously growing. And so once you, so then was it just right away when you just, when you made sure that you would be as visible as possible, just making sure that that bio is what it needs to be and then um, ready to just kind of go out there and start building rooms for yourself?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was more simple, I guess. I just kind of did what everybody does. I just kind of listened to some rooms and then it's like, oh, maybe I'll talk. And then, like I was very sort of like unpretentious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I'm still pretty unpretentious about it. I'm just very active, and everybody knows me, so all these opportunities are coming. But I still don't really have a strategy beyond make lots of friends and be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm pretty proud of is I I have never lied on that app. It's it's in four months I've been there, mm-hmm. and as I was like, don't lie about anything ever, just be yourself. Who cares? I like I've cried like fifty times on the app. Yeah. Um, not on purpose. I just—it's just—I'm just fully myself. Yeah. In some ways, is, I feel like it, I'm more myself on Clubhouse than in real life. You know.
0: It's very vulnerable. It's—it's very vulnerable in a way that, just like you said, you know, you can just kind of be you, and unapologetically you. You know, that's yeah. That's that's the beauty about about that app. You know, like I I learned you know quite a bit about myself by going on that app. I've been on there since uh, mid January, and I will always be grateful to KM Robinson for getting me on there because the sort of opportunities that have come up here, I am mean, just here, we're talking right now. You know, we're talking right now because, you know, like you reached out to me, you know, like, and I was really, you know, very appreciative to, you know, to hear that. And as soon as I heard that you were available, I was just like, yes. You know, so, cause honestly, like you, you were someone that I felt like I wasn't sure if I would be at a stature where I would get your attention, you know, but, but I'm glad to have gotten it, you know, so. Um, well, dude, I mean, you have
2: a lot to offer too. I mean,
0: this is a pretty cool podcast you're doing. And thank you. You
2: thank know, you. I yeah. look, I will say one thing that I also do that not everyone does, because I'll say mm-hmm. it publicly and I'll, you know, again get into sort of friendly debates in some of the big business rooms sometimes, but yeah, um, I'll do every interview mm-hmm. and not everyone will. and, mm-hmm. As my pro again, I'm doing two a days. Like I don't need to do that. Like like literally 18 interviews in a month. I mean it's kind of stupid, but but right. for me it's like I actually like meeting new people, and also you don't know where people are going to go. So yeah, everything's an opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't look at you differently than I look at you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have a major. Article coming out in Canada. They interviewed me four times. There's like a photo shoot. There's all this, all this stuff. But for me, it's like, we're, like everybody's the same, yeah. And so I just look. I evaluate every opportunity equally. So mm-hmm. you know, I have done a lot of stuff for sure in my career, but I don't look at me as like, I'm better than you or whatever, right? You know. So mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for me as well. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you're that uh, you've been able to, you know take advantage of that by, by coming on here. So, was it around that time, like as everything is growing, when did the 529 Club all of a sudden start looking in your direction?
2: Oh man, everything's a blur.
0: Okay, so I think what happened, if I track
2: the journey, mm-hmm. is Mark Summers and I, cause you know, Mark's kinda of loud and boisterous and I'm an actor, he's cast and director, so I, I went to a panel each one, so I was like, oh okay, this guy's quite a character. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure about him, you know, I was like, what about this guy, Mark Summers? But mm-hmm. he seemed smart, right? And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then we were both in this random, this is the thing about Clubhouse, right? Like you get in these random rooms and Mark Summers and I were there. It was like 10 of us. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was like a very unpretentious title. It was something like, you know, Lon- like, I don't know, film. Fun or I don't know something stupid, right? I was like, all right, whatever, right? And then Mark Summers was there. I was like, oh, this is good, Mark. And then he mentioned that he, uh, one, I don't, one of us mentioned because we're both mixed race, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I think half Indian, half Irish. He's actually he's a very particular type of South Asian that he talks about all the time. I don't remember exactly what it was, Mm -hmm. but he, I'm half Chinese, half Italian, so we have this sort of like unique mixed ancestry in common. Mm-hmm. And we just bonded immediately because we understood each other's experience. And both of us have been really affected by our mixed race. Right. And he became like a brother to me immediately. Nice. And, and then I messaged him and I was like, let's do a room about it. And then we did this room called Mixed Race Revolution. We just talked about being mixed race with a bunch of people for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I'm super tight to Mark, man. That guy's like, he's one of my closest friends in the app.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, yeah. So then through that, I guess I kind of started hanging out with UK people more because I was just kind of always chilling out with Mark. Yeah. Um, And then I had met Deborah, Deborah Wooten from five to nine. But Mm -hmm. then I started getting closer to her because I was hanging out with Mark more. So now I have so many friends in that UK film world. So then when it came to this voiceover contest, you know, I pretty much talked to talk to Mark and Deborah every day. In a room or off platform, I love Deborah as well. She's awesome, right? So
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was just, great. yeah. I'm just part of the crew, you know what I mean? So they just asked me to be part of this thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I didn't even know what it was, mm-hmm. but I'm so I'm so close to them. I was like, yeah, of course,
0: excellent, yeah. excellent. And so, what was your? Because I wasn't there for week one. I wasn't there for for the very beginning of this. I think I found out about it through week two when. I happened to pop into the post post audition room and I was hearing like a lot of people saying like, yeah, you made it to the semifinals. That's awesome. And so I was just like, what, you know, like what's going, what is it exactly that's going on here? What is, what is the whole competition thing? And that was when, you know, that was when everything happened. So what, what exactly started that? What started that whole competition in the first place?
2: I mean, I I wasn't one of the organizers, but I think what it was is Mark and Deborah were talking about putting an event together and then they wanted to really maximize the value of an audio only app. And then I think they both came to this conclusion that wow, like a voiceover contest would be a great way to do that. And now there's actually another contest coming. Have they announced it yet?
0: The musical theater Probably. one?
2: Yeah, okay. I wasn't sure yeah. if I could say anything. Yeah. Yeah. So but they're very smart, right? Both Mark and Deborah Mm-hmm. they're very actually hilarious and kind but they're also incredibly smart right yeah um and so they they it's like they've been thinking about it for a while it's like how, like cuz it's an audio only app so they were mm-hmm. like well, how do we sort of leverage this resource for maximum attention and i thought it was brilliant the voiceover contracts is like oh my god like what a what a perfect showcase for the perfect platform
0: yeah yeah, yeah. And that, that was definitely the case. I had so once I, once I figured out what, what I was going to do with it, I had so much fun, you know, being a part of that. And it was amazing just hearing the kind of talent that was, that was coming out. That was, that was when, I, that was me getting introduced to Ellie Rods and oh, yeah, I love Ellie and yeah. And both of them, both of them were guests on the show last month. So it, it's, it's Really, something just seeing like all this great talent and just one after the other. So, oh, really, yeah, Ellie's really gonna be a people.
2: star. I, I think she's gonna become a legitimate star. I mean, I thought like all the finalists were great, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I was pretty like effusive in my praise for Ellie, you know, for the like the last two or three weeks of the competition mm-hmm. to the point where maybe I wasn't even supposed to. I was literally like, e- Ellie's the person to beat in this contest. Like, I, w- I was actually saying that. Yeah.
0: And rightfully so, you know, she is, she's incredibly talented and just a real sweetheart, you know, like on top of that. So, yeah, so genuine too. like, just off, like, you know, off platform too. like, we, we, mm-hmm. we talk
2: a little bit like, you know, like we DM and stuff and she's just cool, man. She's just, I don't know her vibe, you know, you just get caught up in her, her vibe. She's very, she's the real deal.
0: Yeah. And I remember afterwards at the, the Q and A with her and I asked her what, what uh, sort of dream role is it that she really wants to uh, keep an eye, keep an eye out for. And she said, <laughs> she said that she wanted to be a, a Disney voice. I was like, that's,
2: if, if they're, n- if they're <laughs> not
0: looking in her direction, then there's something wrong with them. So, Oh, oh yeah. no, I mean, look, I personally
2: know a ton of people talking to her now. Like she's, she's blowing up, man. That's great.
0: That's yeah. great. I'm so happy for, her. so happy for. Her. Yeah. And so with, With that, so with that in mind, with all the sort of talent that you've seen and all the different people that you've kind of helped curate along the way, Mm -hmm. what would you say for someone who really kind of wants to get into any of the any of these venues, whether it's acting, playwriting, screenwriting, directing, you know, voiceover, you know, like anything, what would you say would be the first step? that they need to take in order to get to where they need to be.
2: I'm going to have a very boring answer, but I do think it's super pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this as someone who, you know, is sort of an industry expert on Clubhouse mm-hmm. 50 to 75 times a week, right? So this, this comes up all the time. Um, yeah. You need to know exactly what it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you would be amazed how many people do not know the answer to that question. Yeah, where I'm like literally okay. What is your goal? Like it happens all the time, right? People Mm -hmm. will they'll just there's kind of meander they want to do. They just want to be successful, and they'll be like, oh, films or movies or acting. Like they're just kind of they just kind of want to make it in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I my first question was, what exactly do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Most people don't know.
0: Yeah, what I say if you were to boil down like everything that you do and say like just a couple of words, what would you? What would you say that you are with everything that you got going? What is that main sort of drive? Is that just like entertainer, storyteller? What is it for you?
2: Well, okay. I'm at a different point in my career because, you know, I've succeeded a lot. So Mm -hmm. what I kind of do is I'll create like a new like strategy maybe every three months. Mm Mm-hmm so i focus on projects but i'm literally at a point like i'm making feature films and like i have mm-hmm. some of the top people on the app want to develop a television series with me you know i finance ca- connections around the world so for me it's more project based but i do think for somebody at the beginning of their career like you're not going to you're not going to achieve anything in a field that's so competitive unless you know exactly what it is that you are trying to do because I actually think the entertainment industry is not so hard to succeed in mm-hmm. if you know exactly what it is you want to do and you, and you work at it in a sort of systematic business oriented way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just, it's just like a business like anything else. Yeah. The people, but most people, I think they get caught up, you know, in the sort of like the, the, the shine, you know what I mean? Like they Mm -hmm. see the spotlight. They're like, oh my God, I want that. But really what they want is the attention. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, but are you trying to like be a lead in a Shakespearean play? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to, you know, write a feature film? Are you trying to direct episodic television? Like you kind of have to know what exactly it is you want to do. And then there's very different networks and very different steps to go to all of those places. Now I'm at a place now where I can kind of traverse back and forth very effortlessly between all those things. Cause I very experienced in all of those areas. Right. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like I get, I just got a lead in a new project, uh, male lead in a project shooting in Canada in August. Mm-hmm. And my friend just texts me. I'm attached as the star of, I don't know, four to six, maybe eight different projects, feature films, web series, television pilots. Wow. But my, I'm so, I'm so established that I'm already proven. So it's more like, what's the job? How much does it pay? When do we shoot? Right. And my friends like, well, you want to do this? I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Or right. it's not my thing, or whatever it is, right? But mm-hmm. you don't just, you can't just get to that point, right? I think people want to get there and say, no, 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 you need to figure out how to be good enough to get an agent first, mm-hmm. and that's not easy. The hardest part in the in the entertainment industry is at the beginning.
0: Yeah, because no one wants to be the first one to give you a break. Everyone wants to give people right. a break. Everyone wants to get th- get things going. And I've seen this. I've seen this with my friends. One of my one of my one of my friends online, Blake Northcott, also from Canada. She, you know, she started off writing and just you know writing and writing and creating content, and then she caught you know like one person's attention and then another person's attention, and then all of a sudden she's writing for DC Comics and. Her line is selling out. She did the eight issue Fathom run, and that was sold really well. Then all of a sudden, heavy metal come—you know, heavy metal magazine yeah, comes yeah. around and look. It was once sort of, you're once
2: you know, you're in, like, it's just more opportunities, more opportunities, more. Opportunities. It's not like it's ever like easy, yeah. But it's so much easier because you have all these friends,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you have people who trust you, and you know, in my case, I have a public track record of all publicity and successes and. I've succeeded wildly, quite frankly, like over and over and over again. So, I've never had my i got i got a Hollywood agent from the app in three weeks. Mm. Really? People, I don't even live in L.A. There's people who've been doing it who live there for decades and they can't get an agent. Wow! But I have a body of work. I have an i have talent. I have press. I, like it's. I'm at a different level, right? Mm-hmm. But but it's at the be. But it's at the beginning that it's so hard because. Everybody wants to get into the industry. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have credits, you don't have contacts, nobody knows you. Yeah, The whole industry is designed to keep 95% of the people who want in, out. Mm. Right? So 95%, and it may be closer to 98%, quite frankly. Right. 95% of the people will never break in. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. They will never break in. I put a panel together with Tori Spelling. Do you know Tori Spelling? Oh, yeah. Um, so we became friends on the app. And mm-hmm. I, I've had, I did, so I asked Tori to be on this panel with a ton of influencers, people of like hundreds of thousands or millions of. Views or whatever, like Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all these things. Mm-hmm. But Tori and I saw it the same way, but also we're very like established. Obviously, she's more famous than I am, but she's in the US market in Canada. I'm very high profile. And there are all these influencers, but Tori and I agree. Like the reality is that most of the agents, like in Hollywood and internationally, the top agents, because I'm at one of the best agencies in Canada as well, right? Right. It's like they don't really care that much about the content creation stuff. Really? So not really. I mean, I think maybe maybe it'll change, but I still think that all that stuff is like an audition in a way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But everyone's doing that. Once you're established, like they don't they don't care. There's a whole system. Like they're they're not, you know, my agents not they don't care about, you know, all these things, right? Like they care about what what are my film and television credits? What movies have I worked on? Mm-hmm you know and also yeah. you become you're know, part of the union you know actors like the canadian sag yeah but it's the same idea right? once you get into the union it's it's like you can't even do some of that stuff so it's a vi- it, like once you're in the industry it's a very very different view there's certainly like maybe like less than 1% but you see people who build their own content and then all of a sudden they can break into legitimate film and television it does happen yeah. But if you really consider the number of people creating their own content, like on YouTube or, you mm-hmm. know, even podcasts and, you know, Instagram, whatever, like everyone's doing it. Right. Okay. But how many people are actually working in legitimate film and television? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very, very infinitesimal number. Yeah. 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 Because it's like, it's still the same benchmarks. It's, right. it's like, it's, it's not popular, but I'll tell people, you know, instead of a YouTube channel, like you should go to theater school. Like I'm a classically trained actor
1: mm-hmm.
2: because the reality is at a certain point in the acting world, I'll speak of first. Okay. That's cool that you have all these viewers, but now if you're going to play a lead role mm-hmm. in something, even for film and television, right? I was the star of my theater school.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm a monster. I'm really, really good at acting. Mm-hmm. So if you've never really acted. Even if you have a lot of views, you'll never beat me out for a part, right? Because I'm very, very skilled. It's like voice, right? It's like you have to, you have to play. You have to be good. Mm-hmm. You could have a lot of people, I don't know, viewing your thing, but if you're not as good as Ellie Rods, mm-hmm. you don't win.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's really what it comes down to, like the right. They, you know, it's the whole thing, you know, like they always say like cream rises to the top and everything, but that's, and that's not just, that's not just words, you know, the, and, it's, and the people that, that are good at this are going to right. get that kind of attention. And I'm not going to call
2: anybody out because that's not my style, but there was a couple people who had pretty good followings on Clubhouse for voice. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, they got lazy. They let it get to their head and
1: mm-hmm. they
2: got eliminated. And Ellie's a grinder. You yeah. know she's the sweet, she's a sweetheart, but she's a grinder. She look at what she can do, all the yeah. songs, right? Mm-hmm. All the voices. She runs a room. She's working hard. She's like humble, she's professional. It's like don't get it twisted. Like she got talent. She works her ass off. Yeah, it's not. She's not. She can get lucky. Mm-hmm. It was very obvious to me as soon as I started seeing what she was doing because I was like, oh, like she's a monster. Yeah. Yeah, and so and she wasn't as known as like a, there's some people who are kind of known, mm-hmm. and then they think they think you got it in the bag, no nah, man, you don't got it in the bag. Not in this right. industry. That's what I know is that I've been in this industry for so long. But I don't take anything for granted. I have to I have to earn every single thing, every single single that I hit. Mm-hmm. It's like I have you know I mean this is the metaphor right, but it's like I've read the scouting report and I know what the count is and I have my my batters box strategy and I've earned every single single for 25 years yeah yeah and people don't realize how tapped in you have to be to succeed in our Mm -hmm. business
0: yeah and so where can where can our listeners find you on social media? Obviously, they can find you on Clubhouse. But um, hundred
2: hours you know. a week, I'm on Clubhouse. Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> when the hell do you
2: sleep, <laughs> dude? Like that's just, that's just, that's the floor, man. I'm I put yeah. in 100, 120 hours a week on Clubhouse every week. Wow,
0: wow. And yeah. so and so with that, you still are able to. I mean, right now you're you know, like you're doing a lot of interviewing. Are you working on any projects right now, or is the is the time away from that just kind of allowing you to kind of catch up and work on promoting the stuff that you already have out there?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I told you, I was offered a lead in this project. I said, yes, mm-hmm. I'll be shooting in August. We're still locked down in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and also, like, I'm at, you know, I wrote, directed my feature film, The Market. hmm So, I make feature films. So, I was offered a two-picture deal as a screenwriter through my Hollywood agent. Mm-hmm. They're negotiating. We may walk. To be honest, depends on the rate. Um, getting lowballed right now, and I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, I. Here's yeah. the thing: when I commit to a project at that level, mm-hmm. it's a multi-year commitment. Yeah. So, I'm a little picky about what I take on next. I have a lot of offers to work. Yeah. But I to be to be perfectly honest, I don't have a thing that I love. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That grabs my heart and I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm just building up my network. I'm getting a lot of offers. Right. But
0: I'm going to just take my time and and do what's
2: what's right for me.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And that's really the only way that you can really approach this business, any business, really, any sort of passion. It's, you know, do what works for you and keep on getting those uh, those singles. That's what Bobby has been doing for over a couple of decades. That's what I hope that all of you have been able to take from this and run with. You don't always have to swing for, for the fences. When you see those opportunities, hit those singles, get on base, get yourself moving. I hope everything that Bobby has said has been as motivating for you as it has for me. And so for Bobby Del Rio, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership if you've never been an audible customer and want to see what they offer just go to www.audibletrial.com slash excelsior journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a title for free and start listening it's that easy why audible audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedy and more from the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters and entertainers and with this free 30-day trial you'll have your pick of it all you can hear books of all genres narrated by jim dale stephen fry will Patton, alex hyde white jeff brick neil shaw william demerick and even a few by me george soroy so go to www.audibletrial.com excelsior journeys and start your own 30 day journey with Audible today.